I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hello, and welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. And today we have a really awesome episode for you. We interviewed our friend Bex, Rebecca Baruki of BexLife.com. And Bex is a wellness online celebrity. She has a YouTube channel that has over 25 million views. And she was actually one of the pioneers we found out during this interview in the online space, kind of using social media. She actually started a blog when she was 18 as a teen mom. In 1999. In 1999 or 1998. Like, it's been a long time. Bex is a mother of five. She lives with her amazing husband on their eight-acre homestead with lots of rescue animals in New Jersey. Bex has been featured on the Lisa Oz show. She had her own television show called Got Zen. She is a wellness and meditation and yoga and fitness expert and nutrition. She has appeared with people like Sadie Nardini on seven episodes of Rock Your Yoga, as well as on Yoga Sutra Now with Jai Sugrim. She is the author of the brand new book, You Have Four Minutes to Change Your Life. And that's just out with Hay House in February. And we're really, really excited about that book. Yeah, we talked about her experience growing up because she had a really crazy upbringing that she talks about in her book as well. But we also we dove a little bit deeper into that. And then we also talked about because she has five kids and we only have one. We know we're going to the experts here that have a little bit more experience because the title of her book is you have four minutes to change your life. And so what are you doing in those four minute segments throughout the day, which was very eye opening for me. And I've been practicing for, we were interviewed her about a week ago and we're doing the intro now. And I've been practicing those. Let's just say, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Cause you got to listen to the episode, but throughout the my technique, the technique, yeah. Throughout my day. And it's a lot better. I would say life is better. Yeah. So we talked about death and dying in this episode. We talked about new moon sex rituals. We talked about how to keep your sanity as a mother and an entrepreneur. We talked meditation and how to meditate when you don't like to meditate and all kinds of amazing things. You're going to love Bex. She's freaking hilarious. She's really wise. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Bex. Hello. Thanks for being here. I'm Kate and... I'm Mike. And this is the Kate and Mike Show, and we are so excited to be here with our friend Rebecca Baruki, a.k.a. Bex of BexLife.com, talking about how amazing she is, her incredibly long eyelashes, her beautiful skin tone, (laughs) (laughs) and her new book, You Have Four Minutes to Change Your Life, Simple Four-Minute Meditations for Inspiration, Transformation, and True Bliss. I'm really psyched you're here. Thanks for coming. I'm so psyched I'm here, and I love the Kate and Mike show. I wish that you guys could just call and Skype me every single morning because I'm laughing so hard already just from our pre-podcast talk. <laughs> well, the last you time that, you and like... I talked, it was like it set off the greatest tone for my day. You interviewed me regarding the book, actually, for one of your yeah. bonuses. And I was like, man, that was the greatest conversation. I wish we lived next door. So, Bex, you have five kids, a farm, mm-hmm. an international global wellness business, 
I mean, without sounding totally trite, I'm going to ask you the question, how do you do it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I was saying before we hit record, I meditate a lot. I spend a lot of time taking care of myself through meditation and finding those quiet times throughout the day. I also cry sometimes. I'm into all the release. I yell. I was yelling earlier because it's a snow day here today and four of the five kids are in the house driving me crazy. And I do a lot of allowing. My practice is really, besides the tools, it's just to take it as it comes, process in the moment, and take everything one step at a time. That's how I do it, basically. I love that. I do a lot of allowing. So allowing means, like, can you talk more about what allowing means? Because you just described it a little bit, but let's go deeper. Allowing is void of judgment. It's practicing curiosity instead of judgment. So let's, okay, so yesterday my bank lost a $10,000 check. That oh, was dear. awesome. So they, so they lost the check and the old me would have gone into a tailspin of anxiety, worry, panic. You know, what does this mean? How is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect my retirement? You know, I would go into this whole thing of like future tripping, but it was like, instead I find out that the check is lost and I say, all right, what is this going to hurt right now? Like what, what is this really going to affect directly today and what can I do about it? And what is completely out of my control? And then I take that, what I can do about it. And I create a short list of action steps to kind of bring my life back to a place of normalcy and a dysfunctioning level. So allowing is, you know, taking life as it comes taking the good with the bad and understanding that that part of it is within my control and part of it is outside of my control and taking the stuff that's outside and just kind of pushing it off the table of, you know, what I'm thinking about. Mm. So that's a great image. So, and then I'm still feeling a little nervous about the check. Sorry. I was a little shaky. telling (laughs) That would make anyone nervous, but I think any amount of allowing in that case is great. You know, my uh, yoga teacher who I studied with Rodney Yee, I love that in his classes, he'll be like, straighten your legs any amount. And it's just like, oh, Mm. that's relaxing. (laughs) And, And I love in your book how it's about four minutes of meditation. So to me, that's an extension of any amount. It's Mm -hmm. like, you don't have to have 20 minutes or you don't have to have... Now, I I do believe we actually all could find 20 minutes, but Mm -hmm. many of us, myself included, our little monkey mind tells us we can't. So four minutes is like, oh, wow, any amount of meditation can work. Like That's really, really amazing. And who introduced you to meditation or how did you find it? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I've told this story so many times today because I've been doing the book promo. Nice. It, start, it started with a shoplifting experience. Mike, I think that you can get down with this. I know like that you... <laughs> I like it. I think we should let the audience know what you're referring to here. What, what my shoplifting experience? No, Nobody but why I can get know. down with that. I'm, I'm not... No, I, I don't reveal other people's stories but I'll tell you so I was working in a used bookstore when I was 15 years old so I want to put that out there I was a kid 
And I found a copy of Be Here Now by Ram Dass, which is a classic in the spiritual world. And it was beautiful. It was like the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. The artwork, the drawings inside. And it really spoke to me. So it spoke to me and said, take me because you don't have the money. And I stole the book. And I think that he'd be okay with it because I devoured it instantly. I've devoured it again and again and again. I've shared it with so many people. And it introduced me to another way of thinking and connecting with God because I come from a religious background. So it gave me another way to connect with that thing that was bigger than me in a way I hadn't seen before. So that's what kicked off my meditation practice calling it meditation and not calling it prayer because what I was doing before Mm -hmm. was praying when I was growing up. Well, and I love what you said about how your prayer was really more focused on like requests versus, you know, meditation. Because I think for myself, at least I've wondered, you know, what is the difference between prayer and meditation? And I loved the way you described that prayer was really more of a list of requests and and your meditation is an experience in allowing, essentially, like allowing yourself to be exactly where you are and you're not actually, you know, I don't know, I'm asking, I guess I'll ask you this question. When you sit down to meditate, do you have a particular result in mind? Sometimes. So meditation for me is really just careful contemplation on a single thought or an idea, and also a time for me to connect with myself. And when I say myself, I really mean the wholeness of all that is. So I, you know, believe that, you know, the universe source, whatever you want to call it, speaks through me. And that intuition is the universe speaking to me. So meditation is just that. So sometimes it's, I'm dealing with a problem, and I want to find a solution. So I go in and I ask questions. And that intuition speaks to me very easily now, because I have this practice that's 23 years old. That's crazy Hmm. to say. And sometimes it's just about like last night, for instance, I'm a co-leader for my five-year-old Girl Scout troop and the girls, I don't know what happened or what was going on in their little heads, but they were wild. They were out of control. (laughs) So it was, it was really bad. And in that moment, they were having their little snack time and they were in the safekeeping of the other co-leader. I just stepped away for two minutes just to take 10 to 15 breaths. And just reconnect with myself and give myself a recharge so that I could go back into that environment and deal with that chaos. So meditation is a bunch of different things for me, but in its essence, it's just a check-in. It's just connection. Isn't there a full moon coming up? Yeah, Friday. Yeah, that's probably what was going on with the Girl Scouts. Why Why do you know that, Mike? Why? <laughs> because I know. Because well, he lives with me. <laughs> because now, well, I'll tell you, I do have questions regarding your thing, but I'll explain this in a second. Every full moon, it's like two days before the full moon hits, right around when the full moon hits, and then after, Penelope sleep is horrible. Like it's, really? yeah, oh, it's yeah, crazy. She goes so I started realizing, like, and then now the conversation Kate's been having a lot about you know, to women, entrepreneurs and business owners about paying attention to your cycles and your bodies and going through all of this stuff that she's been talking about. And frankly, what Kate's mom's been talking about for like 40 years, you know, so it's like now I've been in the circle for a long time and realizing what the moon and cycles, etc. So yeah, I just started noticing that there's a lot and even with ourselves, there's some more energy charged around the full moon. So maybe that was happening. I love that. Can I just remark on that for a moment that you're a guy, you're a dude, and you're in this world and you have such masculine energy. Like there's nothing about you that 
doesn't scream like man guy. <laughs> and, and you speak this language that is so in tune and so in alignment with what we're talking about, but you have embraced it as your own. I freaking love it. I think it's just stellar. I think everyone listening needs to get their man listening to this too. Thanks. <laughs> I just do it. To, you want to know why I do it? I'll tell you the, the core. You know how there's a deeper why for everything? To get some? Yeah, it's all about sex. <laughs> My husband too. Yeah. I like. Yeah. I started learning so about. Good to know. I started learning about astrology, and I don't. I'm not like that. I don't know anything about it, but just like Virgo and like learning these terms when I started dating and realized like women were talking about this a lot and I'm like, Hmm, maybe there's something to it. So people would always, you know, be in the conversation. So I'd always be engaged to learn more about what someone else is about. So that was a long time ago, but then, then now I actually find interest in it because it does affect, you know, the more I'm learning about it from like what Kate's been talking about recently. And then also Kate's mom, it just has to do with like how we're functioning. And then the 365, 24, seven mentality that we operate on right now is like not sustainable for life. We get yeah. burnout, too much, you know, antioxidant destruction to our body, not antioxidant Oxidation. destruction, oxidation to our yeah. body, destructions <laughs> to our cells. So, and just realizing her from that perspective. So, but yeah, the core reason why is I, I love my wife and I want to still be with her. So, well, I have to tell you that a mutual friend of ours shared this like abundance manifestation, new moon sex ritual with me recently. And I got my husband, Justin on board. So we'll be doing that. And it, finishes like the last day is on my book launch day so i'm really excited wait to i want to can you share Send with us over. what it is or email me i will email you. okay great yeah. wow we can we can link it up in the notes people it's intense it's really intense so okay we'll read it and then we'll decide whether or not no we can we're not we're gonna put it in the notes yeah, well, you gotta share it. Okay, great. Kate forward slash podcast. It'll the, the <laughs> new moon sex ritual. You can do whatever you want with it, but we'll at least link it up. We've just given everybody like you're right, yeah, a carrot, and it's like, oh, we have this carrot, you know, like it's yeah. it's PG thirteen. It's okay, yeah, yeah, of course. It's just, okay, it's just the, the steps are very intense, and I cannot wait to hear your results. So. Okay, that's so fun. Yeah, thanks, Beth. I mean, I've read Fifty Shades of Grey, all three of them. So it's oh know, my gosh, I, yeah, I hope it's if it has to do with a whip, I'm not doing it. Um. <laughs> Hi, Mom. How are you doing? (laughs) How you doing, Michelle Watts? And meditation. So so I had some questions about meditation. Like when you say you meditate a lot. So I want to do an example of you say you meditate a lot throughout the day. So define what a lot is for me. And then also on the second question added to this, take me through like you gave a great example of like the Girl Scouts last night. But Does that happen throughout the entire day? Like, take me through, Mm -hmm. you know, it's two, we're recording this at 2.20 in the afternoon. Like, how's your day been so far and how have you incorporated this meditation practice into it? Right. So I use meditation to transition me to the next activity all throughout the day. So for instance, this morning I had, I was recording from nine to 10.30 in my bedroom, but I told my husband that I would be done at 10.45. And between 10.30 and 10.45, I just sat with myself in silence in my bedroom and kind of just breathing, closing my eyes, looking around, staring into space. It's just being with myself. So that's what I mean. If I go to the grocery store and I'm on, you know, I'm coming into my house, I have a long driveway. I sit in the driveway out of sight of the children because if they know I'm home, that's it. They're just going to have their faces pressed against the windows. But I sit outside of their view and I take a few moments, four minutes to breathe, to repeat a mantra, to prepare myself for the next thing. So 
every single time I'm about to move from one activity to the next, I take a pause and I check in. I love and that's how it. This I, is awesome. It is awesome because that's why people, I do not drink caffeine. I haven't had caffeine in almost four years. I don't have sugar in my diet really, except for fruit. And people ask me all the time, like, how do you have so much energy? How are you always so on? You're always smiling. You're always laughing. It's because I recharge 50 times a day. I'm constantly plugging in. That is amazing. I've never heard anybody talk about it that way. Do you operate this way 365 days a year? Like, or is there down days where it's like, I need to just kind of hibernate a little bit longer? Mm-hmm. So I'm a woman and I have my cycle and I honor it. I really, really do. And I am very open in my conversations with my kids about what's a good day for me and what's not a great day for me. The meditation and the recharging and all that allows me to operate through the days when I'm feeling like I don't want to do anything, at least a minimal effort so my business doesn't go to pot. But definitely around, you know, right before my menstrual cycle starts, I will take a couple days to kind of just be in the dark, to watch a lot of Netflix, to not exercise, to do whatever feels good and healing and on those days. So there, there's like three or four days out of the month where I'm pretty much out of commission. Yeah. It feels. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, Bex, that's really a lot of what I'm going to be talking about in this next chapter of my work. And I want to mm-hmm. acknowledge you as a beacon of light. You know, you have such a large community online and with somebody with a platform, it's so important that you are modeling what it looks like to honor your body and actually take a break in Mm -hmm. alignment with the time that your body is asking you to take a break. (laughs) Because we talk so much about like listening to our intuition and listen to your body and da da da. But then we like bulldoze through the days when our body wants us to take a break. And so our body is not going to give us the most genius business idea if during those three or four days a month that we want a break, we're being like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly do that. I'll just medicate it. Yeah. So and I just you, want to acknowledge you for that. Thank you. And when you show up for things, when you're not feeling great, the result can be disastrous. It's not yeah. just that it's ho-hum. You can actually ruin yourself. So like I have this daily broadcast that I do at 1111. It's live. And I say, whenever I open it, I said, you know, join me here every Monday through Friday at 1111, unless I'm not feeling up to it. And then maybe I won't be here. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's not that I'm not disciplined in my work, but my audience knows that when I need rest, I mean, my platform is about self-care. When I need rest, I'm going to take it. When I'm feeling like I'm not in the energy space to, you know, give a lot to people, I'm not going to give it. And they are okay with that. And I think that they respect me for it. And I, you know, I'm so grateful for them for continuing to show up when maybe I'm not going to. So That's awesome. Really yeah. beautiful. So we've talked personally, and then you share some pretty intense stories in your book about your upbringing. And it sounds like it was pretty chaotic. Is yeah. that That's accurate. So... I'm wondering, and I, you know, I've had the chance, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time, at least that I remember we met, it's possible that we had met before this, but the time that I really remember is when you were pregnant with Annie and Mm -hmm. you were wearing, you came to the reveal conference in New York and you were wearing like the cutest maternity overalls, like shorts overalls. They weren't maternity. They were just big size. Oh, really? They were (laughs) so cute. And I was just like, who is this amazing woman with her belly and overalls? But you've always been such a light. And we had a chance to work with you up here in Maine in a little bit more of an intense period. And I'm wondering, what are the factors to take a person who started in such chaos and perhaps not with the biggest leg up 
But how did you turn that into such a beautiful life? Okay. I'll just get into a little bit more detail so people know yeah, great. where I'm helpful. coming from. So I grew up, it was poverty, you know, like not knowing if we were going to have money for food, not knowing if we were going to have money for electricity. My parents had a very, I would say like mutually abusive and self-abusive relationship where they just argued and fought and there was infidelities and there was just a lot of chaos in the house that led to the kids not being so taken care of. Like there was also a lot of neglect, both, you know, physical and emotional neglect. So that was a place where, I mean, going back and looking at my life from an outside, you know, point of view, I could say like this kid is never going to succeed because I had everything stacked against me in terms of, you know, education, access to resources, all that. However, there were a couple of things that my parents did do right. And this is not about, you know, what you believe versus what I believe, but I grew up in the church for the first part of my life. And that community was really important to me. And that connection to something that was bigger than me and always feeling like I would be supported was a really big deal because we didn't have anything. So it was like, why am I here? Why am I having this suffering or whatever? So I felt like there was always this bigger purpose to life. And my mother told me when I was very little that I had a direct connection to God so that my voice was very important and he was always listening and that no man, no minister, no preacher could come in between that. And that also God loved me as I was and that I was made perfect. So I took that to heart. Like I believed mm. it. I was a little girl. And throughout my life, even through times of, you know, having feelings of very low self-esteem and, you know, not loving my body so much and being rejected by my peers at, you know, different points of my life. I at least knew that in my quiet alone time, I was able to connect with this source of all that is and that he heard me and that my voice mattered to him and that also I had something to give. So from the time I was a little girl, I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I don't know really? how I got that into my head. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I used to watch talk shows and study talk show hosts and Montel Williams was one of my favorites when I was little. So I followed his career path. I did a lot of studying about him and I, because I knew I had something to say, I knew I had this truth inside me that needed to get out. And I, I mean, I remember being eight and feeling this way. So that has allowed me to show up even when I didn't feel so great about myself yeah. because I knew that the biggest somebody, you know, loved me so much. So what an incredible yeah. gift to be given that lesson when it, you're it such a little girl. Like, that's really pretty profound. And I, I think about that, you know, for the parents listening, like, <laughs> if we could teach our kids one thing, it's mm. that they have that direct connection to something bigger and that yeah. no one can ever come in between that or take that away from them. That's really profound. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that allows me, like, when I'm, you know, big and rolly and poly and I'm going to a reveal you know, a reveal event with all these beautiful women who are beautifully dressed and put together. And I'm like, I have nothing to wear because I'm so huge. I'm like, F it. I need to be there. I need to connect with my people. And I just put on overalls and I show up. Well, you know? and what's so amazing is like, of course, that's how you remember it. How I remember it is that you were like <laughs> this freaking goddess in overalls. <laughs> and I was like, she is so cute. <laughs> so, you know, our own self-perception is always pretty different than the big perception. Yeah, definitely. I mean, overalls are a good look. They are. Can we say? Who's God to you? Oh, well, you know, from my upbringing, I still, when I say and hear the word God, I still picture that guy with the beard in the sky. Like, that's just my automatic, you know. But isn't that, that Jesus? 
Like, no, isn't that, it's, no, it's it's like Old Testament God with like. It's, it's not well, in my like, because I was raised Catholic and we went to uh, Catholic church and stuff, and I guess there was a dude on a cross. That's Jesus. Mm. That's Jesus, but he looked that's like. Jesus. But there's yeah. a different guy. So right. I grew up okay. in an evangelical church, and we were not allowed to have any images of Jesus anywhere. So we didn't do like the cross crucifix. The crucifixion thing. We didn't do pictures of Jesus, so it was really just the talk about God and the, and the images that I got from TV. So that's the image, like the you know Old Testament, you know God coming out of the sky with his finger pointing down, Michelangelo, all that stuff. So that's who I see. But what I truly believe and what I know to be true now is that God is is us. It's like all of us together, we're like this big puzzle or we're this big tapestry and fit together the wholeness. That is what God is. It's all consciousness. It's all love. It's all that is, even the stuff that feels really crappy or stuff that we don't understand. And I take that responsibility as being a tiny piece of God very, very seriously. So I say to my audience, like, we're all just tiny gods in skin suits. And that's the way I really feel. And I feel like we're here to connect with each other to kind of bring that wholeness together in a way that we can see it, that we can feel it and kind of magnify it because we're so separate right now. But when we get together, awesome things happen. That's the energy you feel when you're in a room and, yes. and you feel uplifted. So, so God to me is everything. It's everybody. It's every animal. It's every plant. It's, you know, it's my poop emoji pillow that I showed you earlier. It's like all, <laughs> all the things that bring joy, all the things that brings me smiles. It's everything. Yeah, I love, I that. love that. It was a rainbow poop emoji pillow. It was. Yeah, it was. we should clarify for sure. <laughs> for sure, it's critical. <laughs> so, Bex, how? I mean, I do find you to be incredibly wise, and I love following you on Thank Facebook you. because a) you're prolific, b) you're funny, and c) you share amazing things like the posts that you recently shared about parenting. And about like throwing away all the parenting books, all the sleep books, you know, you don't have to go read that post, but can you share your parenting philosophy? Because you've raised five kids, so you definitely have some experience here and you were raised in a chaotic home where maybe you would have done some things differently. So I think you're a particularly great person to share on that particular topic. And since Mike and I are still very much in it with our little one, I just can't hear enough from you about parenting. Well, I'll say this. First of all, I am still in it, right? Yes, you are. I'm raising five children. And I think the most important part of that post or my message as a parent is that I am an expert at parenting, but only these five people, you know, Winona, Cal, Jack, Summer, and Annabelle. I am expert level on these kids and I'm always learning from them, but I think I got it. And that's important to understand when you're looking to anyone for parenting advice is that you know, maybe this works for them and it might not necessarily work for me. And the biggest gift that I got as a new parent was that the internet really hadn't been invented yet in the way that we know it. Like social media wasn't a thing. So when I had Winona 19 years ago, oh my gosh, she's 19. She's a freshman in college. It's so crazy. When I had her 19 years ago, it was kind of me and good and, and bad, both, you know, it was me in this little bubble and me kind of doing things on my own with the help of my mother and my older sister and only the people that I really loved and who loved me. And I challenge, you know, the mothers or the fathers out there listening, if you could just be in a bubble with your kid and not worry about 
what you're supposed to be doing or what other people are telling you you should do or their opinions of what you've already done. If you could do that, what would your life look like with your child? How would you act around them, react to them? How would you choose to nurture them? And for me, it was just listening to the cues of my kids. Like when she cried, I picked her up or I fed her or I laid down with her. I brought her into bed with me or I carried her around all day because I couldn't take the crying or when I really had to do, you know, it's like a good answer. Like, yeah. Ah. Or, you know, when I had to do something for me that I really wanted to do, it's like I found someone who I really loved and trusted and I let them take care of her and I did my thing and I came back and I didn't feel guilty because no one told me I should, you know, like she was fine. So it's like put yourself in that place where if it were only you and your kid, how would that feel? How would you act? And then try to practice that back out in the world. So I don't take parenting advice from anybody. Like I really, I don't care. You know, like I see people who I admire and I see they're doing stuff that's like really cool. I'm like, oh, maybe I should try that. But it never makes me feel bad about the parent that I'm being. But I think it's because I had that time in the beginning to like make it my own. Yeah, I think that's actually such a gift. I remember you posting something about that as well, that like there wasn't the comparison thing because they're just like Mm -hmm. you didn't see other people doing it in the way that we do now, which I think is really actually, (laughs) I mean, it's it's a gift to have the access to information that we have now, but I think it's, it's also can be kind of debilitating with the amount of options. Yeah. I mean, I think I did. I probably did a lot of things, quote unquote, wrong. I was 19 when I had Winona. So I was a baby myself. I I say I was a mom before I was a woman. Like I didn't even know about life yet. But there was also this real, you know, beauty of that situation that I kind of I got to grow up with her and I got to learn with her and I got to stumble and not feel terrible about it. And she turned out to be a phenomenal young woman. Like everyone needs to know my Winona. She is so cool and self-aware and self-confident and smart and funny and doing things that I wouldn't have had the courage to do at her age. So something happened, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, totally. Now where along your mothering journey, so you had Winona at 19 At Mm -hmm. what point did you start your business and get into the social media space? Like where was, I actually realized I don't even really know your story of how Beck's life came about. Okay. So my three older children are from my first marriage and that marriage was not a good one. It was abusive. It was miserable. Like every single day was a nightmare Mm -hmm. for 10 years and it ended rather abruptly when my ex-husband basically took all our money and left. That was the end of it. So I was a successful real estate agent. I had a great business. You know, a lot of the skills I learned in real estate I use here. And and I think that I was a motivational speaker when I was a real estate agent too. (laughs) I'm sure, yeah. I just always wanted to have fun and like, you know, teach people stuff. So he left and I had three little kids. They were eight, six, and almost three. So two years old. And I can't even believe that saying that. And... I had no money. I lost homes. I lost my cars. We had investment properties that I lost, lost my cars. And I ended up being on food stamps uh, for a short amount of time and um, going into the system with my kids. And I was completely at a loss. Like I didn't have a lot of support in terms of babysitting or anything. And I thought, you know, well, I didn't actually think anything. I just started sharing my story online. I just started 
going back. I was a blogger back when it wasn't called blogging, back when I was a teen mom with Winona, and I had a little website on the Girl Pages platform that was hosted by Sassy Magazine, if anyone oh can remember gosh. that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. That wow. is great. So you are a pioneer. Yeah. Do you know? Terrible. Do you remember the year? Like, what year was this? It was 1999. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I used to blog. It was, like, terrible poetry, and, like, it was so dramatic. It was so terrible. Well, you were 19. So, <laughs> I was 19. I, and I had a kid. It was, like, yeah, it was my goodness. crazy. So I went back to that, like sharing online. I was on MySpace. I was telling little stories. Like I use MySpace to kind of like write little short stories about my day and, and try to inject humor. And it just kept growing and growing and talking about my fitness journey and talking about my, and I used fitness as a way to manage my anxiety and my mm-hmm. depression when I didn't want to go back on antidepressants. So I started just talking about fitness and slowly just opening up again to this idea of community, but on this very large scale. And it was all by accident. It was 100% unintentional. And, you know, because we worked together over that weekend, you can see that my business is a lot of accidents. <laughs> kind of like beautiful coming. accidents, though. Like, really beautiful. Like, I think yeah. that there is a greater divine plan here, and it's coming through you. And you might not have had the grand strategy, but, like, somebody does. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody does. And I'm trying to tap into that so that I can apply it, you know, in a more strategic way. And you are. I mean, it's amazing to watch. And then what happened after that? So like 1999, you were writing and then how did it take us down the timeline a little bit? So YouTube, I posted my first fitness video on YouTube in December of 2009. And I went for it. I had no idea what I was doing. The videos are horrible. They're still online. I won't take them down. It was me in my dining room, like doing workout moves. And it it was, (laughs) I love it too, but it's, it's funny. It's a little bit embarrassing. (laughs) So, and I just kept putting myself out there in ways that were, I look back on were probably really scary and might've embarrassed some people, but I had this desperation really to succeed because I'm wholly unemployable. I'm not a good employee. I hate schedules, but I also had three little kids that I had to support and I didn't want to be in the system. I didn't want to be someone who wasn't independent and doing for herself. So I joined every contest, signed up for every free class. I ended up winning YouTube Next Trainer. It was a program where they gave me a scholarship and advertising and camera equipment. So it was like $20,000 worth of stuff. Yeah, I, I, you know, got a lot of press and publicity for that, which was great. And about two and a half years after my first YouTube video posted, I got the offer for my television show on a wellness network. And that was for me being a hustler, showing up and being a background yogi on other people's shows. And then when the executive producer came in, I'd be like, hey, I have a YouTube channel too. <laughs> you know, nice. All that self-promo. So... I think really if when you get to know me and I think you guys realize I really love life. I love, love living. I'm so grateful for this experience and I want to soak up every moment and I will take it even when it feels like it's not mine. So I'm big on self-promotion. I'm big on putting myself out there. I'm big on having experiences and I don't really get embarrassed. I really don't care what other people think because in the end, it gets me to a place of more joy. I just want to feel joy. That's it. I love it. <laughs> Motivation, <laughs> and I love laugh. Motivational speaker complete. So, wow, that was a lot. That was awesome. Sorry. Regarding self-promotion, question about that real quick because mm-hmm. I know a lot of folks because you know we have a network marketing business just like mm-hmm. you and 
people don't want to put themselves out there, right? So when it comes to self-promotion, it seems like, and I think this comes from the stories you just shared about your life. Like you have to, you had three kids, so you had to do something. Like there's no, there's nothing stopping, right? It's like, so like, how do you take that? Like what's your mindset when you go into this TV show and you see these executive producers, you know, is that how you got the book with Hay House? Like, you know, what is your philosophy when it does come to the self-promotion stuff? You know, it goes back to the lessons that my parents taught me. Like, we're all equal. We're all, you know, not to talk religious talk, but I think people can get on the vibe of this. We're all children of God. We're all equal people here. Like, nobody's better than another just because you had the luck of being born into a better situation or you're prettier or whatever. I look at people as my equals and I definitely have high regard for the efforts people have made and the accomplishments that, you know, that they've accomplished. (laughs) But I, (laughs) I can't find the words, but with respect, I go to that person and say, Hey, you with this thing that I like and admire, here's the thing that I have that I think I can offer. Can you help me? So, and I'm not embarrassed to do that because I do feel a fellowship, a sisterhood with other people. I feel like everyone's really like an extended family. Like, you know, you're my brother, you're my sis. So that gene or that thing that keeps people from putting themselves out there, I don't have it because, and I'll tell you the real story. The real story is that I watched my parents who were tragically damaged people. Like they came from very, very tragic situations in their, in their own lives And I saw these two people who were incredibly talented. Like my mother had more artistic talent in her little finger than I will ever be able to cultivate in my entire life. My dad was a master craftsman. He was a great writer, songwriter. I saw these people with these incredible talents never express them to the world, never show who they were because they were so afraid of criticism, ridicule. They were just, they're scared of everything. And they both died. I lost them both in 2013, seven Mm. months apart. And I lost them. And in cleaning up their stuff, found my dad's songs that he wrote and my mother's watercolors and her poetry. And it's like, what the F, man? Like, you had all of this and you never shared it for what? And now you're gone and no one got to experience it. And from that moment on, I'm like, I am showing the whole world who I am, good, bad, ugly, whatever, because if for anyone to be touched by that and, and also selfishly for me to be able to grow from helping someone or getting someone to open up to me, like I'm taking that. I'm not going to waste another moment. What an amazing life philosophy. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love that. And one thing for the listeners to point out that from a self-promotion perspective, cause you talked about, you said like, I'm going to go up to these people and you know, here's what you guys are doing and here's what I can offer. You know, we get this a lot from internal emails sent to us, or I hear just from people, or our friends, all this stuff. Like, folks always want, like, people of, like, I don't know if the right word, like, influence, but that have, like, a website or a blog or something like this. They go and try to get something. Like, they try to say, hey, Bex, this is Mike. I can help you build your... It's where it's trying to take something from them. I have a product and I want your audience. Right. So it's like if I come to you and say that, that's weird. Right. Instead of you, the way you've done this is much more where you're of service to this client and this person. And then they see that it's respectful to say, like, you're really showing value here and it's a value exchange, really. So what's happening where instead of the fact and that's why it's worked for you, like just that sentence that you used. You know, it was amazing. So I think it's really important that if 
we're in this world to work together with other individuals and business and stuff. And just keep in mind, like it's a value exchange, right? You're going to get something like you have a lot of people on your YouTube channel subscribers. So if I'm featured on your YouTube channel or I ask to be featured on that, it's also like, what can I bring to your audience is going to be beneficial as well. Instead of just put me yeah. on your YouTube channel. Cause I'm well, awesome. Yeah. I'll tell you the practical application of that and how it worked out with business is I had this YouTube channel and there were a lot of people coming to me and, you know, you see it sometimes in telesummits and like different, you know, things that people put together where they're just like, you know, they ask what my numbers are. They ask what my newsletter list numbers are before they even know what I actually yeah. do. So I know that they don't value me at all. And so for me, what I wanted to do, and I have a value exchange with my audience too. Like I owe them stuff because they show up for me. Just their presence is them giving me their time. I have to pay them back. So I found the people that I loved and I admired and I trusted and I asked them to come onto my channel for the benefit of my audience with no obligation. It's just, I want your wisdom. You bring it to my platform. I will share you with my people because I owe them something and it all works. And from those relationships over the years, it's like, I was, I was telling Justin last night, my husband, and I could have cried saying it. Like I put down my computer and I said, I love my friends and most of my business colleagues are my friends because I love them. He goes, why do you say that? And I said, because, you know, I'm putting out this book. I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's like, I can't stop. I can't even keep up with the request. People <laughs> coming in saying, how can I help you? You know, like, what can I do for you? And it's all people that I've, you know, had on over the years or I've worked with over the years. And, and I think that that spirit of really giving, trying to add value to the world has come back to me tenfold. I mean, it's amazing. The outpouring of love and help. So you are yeah. an absolutely perfect example of that because you were on my radar, well, from Reveal, but even before then, it just like as somebody who literally knew everybody, it was like you were always, <laughs> like, you, know, you were just like always there, not at necessarily okay. events, but you know, in yeah. a good way, you know, it's like, oh, well, she's at all the things and she's in all the stuff. So it was just really cool to start to get to know you a little bit better and understand that. But I just, you are such a shining example of adding value and doing it from the purity of your heart. But then also standing, what I love about what you said about like seeing other humans as brothers and sisters and is that you stand, mm -hmm. you have a perception, which of course our perception is our reality, right? Because that's what we're mm -hmm. creating all the time. Yes. You have a perception that we are all as human beings standing shoulder to shoulder with one another, that there's not a one up, one down relationship anywhere. And that's so mm -hmm. revolutionary, especially just like in modern times that I want to ask everyone listening to think about, think about right now, a relationship in your life, whether it's with someone you admire, somebody you want something from, you know, somebody you work with, a friend, even a family member, think of a relationship where you either see yourself as one up or one down. And I would invite you to change your perception and ask what would happen if like Bex, you saw yourself as their sister, their brother, and you stood shoulder to shoulder. I think that's a pretty revolutionary way to see the world. Hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've had my husband is a, a celebrity music photographer, so I'm around celebrity a lot and it allows me to kind of in a business sense, see how I want to act and see how I want to yeah. show up for people. Because I'll say, I'll say this, that the most well-established celebrities, the biggest ones that he's worked with, like Lynn Kravitz or John Lithgow or Rihanna, they are the most grounded, gracious, polite, 
on time people, yes. professional people. And it's kind of like the people that are just coming up that show up four hours late with an entourage. And, you know, it's like the poo don't stink. So <laughs> I learned a lot from that. But I also learned in like we did a shoot with John Lithgow for a Broadway play that he was doing. And I produced a shoot for Justin. I was helping him out. And John brought me into the kitchen. We were in a, an apartment in New York City and he brought me into the kitchen and he started asking me questions about me and the kids and what I do. And he was just genuinely interested in me as a human being. And it was such a nice conversation. And it's like, okay, it reaffirmed my belief that we are really just people and we are all equal, no matter your bank account or your status. And it was really nice to have that exchange and to have that belief affirmed. And it gives me the confidence to go out and say, okay, you know, I'm not as popular as, you know, Rihanna, but I have something to say and I have value in this world. So, yeah, that's really cool. I love it. I love that. I have two more questions. For, okay. And then you, you, I don't know what you got in your arsenal. Oh, I have, you know, okay. I could go on. Um, <laughs> I mean, unless I, I have two, guys so much. two more specific so questions. I have one more I for sure want to get to. So you've been through this. We're going to backtrack a little bit regarding, I guess we haven't really talked about the book very much, huh? That's okay. Well, my goal when we have authors on is to have people fall in love with you because Mm -hmm. then they'll automatically get your book. Now I'm not worried. The book will take care of itself. I just want to chat with my friends. So let's, let's have some fun. Buy the book, people. Buy the <laughs> yeah, book. Yeah, but buy it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have four minutes to change your life. Yes, you do. Is what it's called. You have four minutes to get on Amazon right now and buy that book. Yes. You can talk about like if you're offering anything with it for yeah, people to purchase sure. or anything like that and what they get. So that we'll do that at the end. So from one thing that I see with a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs that I've worked with, there's a lot of our story that we carry with us for a long time, and myself mm-hmm. included. And so you come from a, you know, my family was not abusive. My parents were not abusive. You know, I didn't have that. I wasn't, my ex-husband was not abusive, you know, towards, you I didn't have an ha- ex-husband. No, surprise. Wow. No, <laughs> no like, Learned so something new. the story that you have shared with us today, like mm-hmm. I have two questions with this is number one, it sounds like, and I could be wrong on this is like how you process this to continually and not have it be your story of mm-hmm. holding you back. And then number two is like, or I guess the part B of that would be like, did you heal the relationships? Because you dedicated your book to your parents, right? Yeah. And I saw yeah. that because after reading some of the stuff in the stories and even talking to you before, it's like, wow, that's a big deal. So like, mm-hmm. has that relationship been healed that allows you to really kind of move forward from it? So, well, I'll say this. You know, because I spent that weekend with you guys and working with you, we a lot more got discussed than business. And there are parts of my story that I carry with me and probably in ways do hold me back or don't allow me to move with the speed that I would want to towards, you know, total success as I define it. And one of which is the money story. And, you know, growing up in poverty, it's not that I don't work hard towards financial success. It's that because I can't see, I could have never imagined for myself a financially abundant life as a child. It's hard for me to even see now as an adult. So I have fantasies about financial success. But if you were to ask, like, are you actually going to get there? I don't know if the answer is yes. I don't know if the answer is like, you know, totally like I can actually see myself, you know, at my beach house 
on an island, you know, with my beautiful boat or whatever, and like being able to shower my kids with gifts and all that good stuff and grandkids running around. It's a fantasy. So the stories are still there and I allow them just like I allow everything else. Like it's just, they'll dissolve or not dissolve in time. As far as the relationships, the, unfortunately it took for my parents to pass for me to understand and see them as the humans they were, because when they were alive, it was just my mom and dad who I had very troubling relationships with and that I blamed for everything. Frankly, I blamed them for all the things that were wrong in my life. And when they were gone, it was like, okay, well, I can't blame them anymore because they're not even here. And it's time to take some personal responsibility. And in my own healing and seeing how I was so vulnerable and I was so, you know, quote unquote, messed up in this world and how I was still so confused and I didn't have it figured it out. I got to look at them and go, Oh, that's what was going on. Mm. You know, like they were people that had stuff. And with my, it's my ex-husband who still gets on my nerves and my parents, it still hurts when I tell some stories, I can at least take myself out of that pain and look at it objectively and go, they're just human beings having a human experience and hurting just the same as me. And while I can't always hold them close to me, I might have to keep them at an arm's length. I have to have compassion for them. And there is a forgiveness aspect that doesn't necessarily lead to total healing or total like, you know, embracing them, but I do forgive them and I can move on from that. So Thank you for being so honest about yeah, that answer. That. And it, I do want to point out that you did say, and the only reason I asked this question, because mm-hmm. you said in earlier in this episode, and I heard this a while ago on a <clears throat> podcast that I was listening to, and I can't remember what it was about, but they said, we always get on our parents for all the bad stuff, but we never acknowledge them for what good they, like the good parts. Yeah. Right. You said about a half an hour ago or so, you were just like, what my parents did do well was mm-hmm. this. And I was like, that's such a much more profound way to look at it and very insightful. That's the only reason I asked the question. Thank you so much for. Well, I can tell you as a parent, I hope that that's the way my kids look at me. And that has made it, you know, as they get older and they become teenagers and I can see like what exactly they're going to be saying in therapy, like not joking. <laughs> like, and they can, again, I can totally see what Winona is going to say about me in therapy. I hope that there's a bit of forgiveness and a bit of compassion there when she's telling the stories about how my mom was crazy and she freaked out about, you know, my room being a mess or whatever, that she also sees me as a human and said, but she was trying really hard and she did her best and she showed up for me and she loved me fiercely and she taught me some good lessons. Like I want that for myself. So I have to extend it to my parents. I love that. And one, you know, in your book, one meditation stuck out to me that's really relevant here, which is the four minutes to finally close emotional and physical wounds, Yeah, which seems really applicable here. And for listeners, I want you to know that, you know, Bex has a four minute meditation. Each chapter is about a four minute meditation for a specific area of your life. So there's to accept your body as a chapter, heal your relationship or attract the one you want, Mm. cultivate gratitude, abundance, and service. There's all the different areas of your life are really covered with these meditations. And I just wanted to point that out because I really like books that are kind of, 
I mean, I don't know if you would call your book this, but I like books that are kind of prescriptive in a way <laughs> that are like, I'm having this problem. I can go yeah. to this chapter. <laughs> That's um, what I want. Yeah. I wish it, I actually, I was like, my fantasy was to have it like on a spiral bounds kind of like notebook thing. Yeah. So you can actually just flip it open and leave it open on your nightstand and just go to the thing you wanted. Cause that's what it's for. Yeah. That's when you create the workbook. Exactly. Oh, please don't give me more work, please. I know you guys love Later. work. It's not, you don't do it right now. <laughs> do it in one of your four minute meditations. But now I'm going to, cause that's what happened that weekend. I spent the weekend with you and I had never had the courage to like make my own product or do my own thing. And I went home like a furious lunatic and wrote a 57 page ebook and created a program like immediately. You, you do, you have that effect on me. It was impressive how fast you did that. I don't know that we've ever given anyone a suggestion and had them take Never. action that fast. No, you didn't even sleep because you stayed at our house and, and like you woke up in the morning. And we were having breakfast and you were like, opt in, done. Landing yeah. page, done. Thank you, sequence, done. <laughs> I was like, whoa. And this frankly is like goes back to everything. This is why you've created what you've created. Yeah, you because. Because you freaking take action. Yeah. There's yeah, no but fear also, behind it. But also in the way that you approach business is so whole person, which is not something that I have experienced before. You know, like I go to the person who's left brain, I go to the person who's right brain and I'm sitting in a room with you guys. And so we talked about my business and what was going well and what needed to happen. But you also talked to me about my money stuff and my childhood stuff. And it was amazing. And it just opened once you see it, like, here's the thing. You don't have to be fixed to be able to move forward and create awesome things. Cause I am definitely not someone who is totally fixed. I am in process of my healing, but when you see what it is, when you can call it by name, then you have the power to move in spite of it. I'll say, right. and you did that for me. I saw, I was like, Oh, that's the reason why I'm not making as much money as I'd like to. I'm just making enough to support my family. And I have an extraordinary amount of bills. So it's a good amount of money, but I'm just making yeah, seven people to, is no joke. <laughs> yeah. To pay my bills. And then I was like, so why am I not doing this? And I just, you know, and then I created the thing. I didn't have to be perfect to create the thing. I just needed to see what was holding me back. That's all. That's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And how relaxing is that? It's like, oh, you don't have to do, you know, 25 personal growth seminars and five years of therapy in order to move forward. It's like just the awareness piece is so big. So, Mike, do you want to ask your last question that you like to ask? Do you have have more questions? (laughs) I actually, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. Okay. I mean, of course I could. Yes, but let's do but your like final it. question. Yeah. Just it's a good question, Bex. Um, you like it. What do you want your funeral to be like? Oh, I love this question. Oh, it's so juicy. Okay, so I am, I'll tell you this. And I've been talking about this a lot lately because one of my girlfriends lost her father in October. And she has been very publicly talking about grief and how she how she feels grief should be like dark and terrible and like crying and wailing and all. And that is totally cool if that's the way you grieve. And because I had the experience of losing both of my parents, you know, very close together, I got to see the different ways to grieve and how I grieve. And with my father, who was sick for a long time, seven years with cancer, it was his memorial was so fun because it was like it was a celebration because we were ready to let him go and he was ready to let go. So we had country music and we all wore I wore cowgirl boots and like a mini cowgirl dress. And we talked about him and laughed and showed family pictures. And it was just this really nice get together. We had it in the back of a bar. 
And with my mother, which was a little bit, my dad didn't even drink, which was ironic. He was sober his whole life. So my mother, it was sudden and it was shocking and it was, and we cried and we wore black and it was like a very traditional funeral. And that was so appropriate for what happened. So with mine, my hope is that I live, I'm giving a very long answer, but I love this, this conversation with mine. I hope that I live a very long life. Like I want to be like 120 in good health, you know, God willing. And I hope that at my funeral, there's a lot of people telling a lot of really embarrassing and funny stories about me. Like, remember when she did that? And that was so crazy. And I want them to come as they are and wear whatever feels comfortable. I definitely don't want people wearing black or being sad unless they are, and then they can do that. And I want really good food and alcohol if people want to drink, as I like to sometimes. And I, <laughs> I'm thinking about these things. And, and I definitely don't want an open coffin. I want tons and tons of flowers and like wild flowers and bright, bright colors. I just want it to be a colorful celebrate, like a real celebration of the things that I loved the most that I really, really loved. And I just love all the things. So I want all the things at my funeral, maybe a life-size unicorn that I'm lobbying for that I, I really want for my front yard. Like I want all the things. So I'm not afraid to die. I just want to live a really long time. And when I pass, I hope that I have the opportunity to look back and see all the people I love and even people I like together, <laughs> together and talking about me. Cause that's what I love the most. <laughs> so, that's so good. That's what I love. This is awesome. That's so good. That's so. What a fun question, Mike. Yeah, yeah we asked Marie Forleo this, and she said that she has it written in her will. Her, how her funeral is going to be. She has it be. written in her will. Yep. Of course she does. Of course she does. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but but we should do that. Because I do want a life-size unicorn. I think that would be amazing. I and give people a chuckle. That's genius. Uh-huh. What You should definitely have that. Do you sure. have a horse on your farm now? I don't have a real horse, but if you drive through central New Jersey, rural New Jersey, you'll see these like fiberglass statues of horses in people's front yards. I don't know why they're there. And I'm currently searching on my local message boards to buy one because I do want to put a unicorn horn on it and set it back in my woods as kind of like a little peekaboo moment on my property. So anyone listening, feel free to contact me if you have a lead because I really, I really want this. And you want this like life-size horse, not like a pony size. No, like full size. Okay. Big horse. Got it. Okay. All right. We're putting it out there. Yeah. So Bex, do you want to tell us about the book and anything that people should know about the book and getting it? I have. Okay. So I have really fantastic bonuses for everyone who buys the book. You can find them at bexlife.com slash book. And I'm sure you'll have that in your resources. And that is yeah. B- oh. B-E-X-S-L-I-F-E.com, no, no. right? No. no there's no, no, no S, honey. Erase, it's just Bex, that. B-E-X, it's, it's, life. Oh, yeah, like okay. like thug life, but with rainbows. So it's B-E-X-L-I-F-E, like Bex life. Right. And okay. dot com slash book. And I have amazing bonuses. Kate participated in one of the bonuses and it's a fantastic, it's one of the best interviews I've done. We had so much fun that day we did. and I put a lot of heart and soul and work into these bonuses. I would say as much as I did into the book. So it's a great value. Yeah. Go there and pick it up and say hi to me on social media because I live for the internet. I think it's just God's gift and I want to, you know, talk to everyone who reads the book. Amazing. Well, Bex, you are just a joy. I love you. You're so much fun. I learned a lot during this session, and I'm really grateful you joined us. Thank you so much. You guys are the best. I'm sleeping over next weekend. Okay. 
It's awesome. Pajama party. We'll go on a date. You can watch Penelope. No, you gotta hang out with her. No. Well, we could. You could come for two nights. You guys are the best. Oh my god! Amazing. I'll take Penelope. You're awesome. Everyone, go to bexlife.com forward slash book and get this awesome book. You have four minutes to change your life. Bye. Lots of love. Ever feel like you're constantly doing things but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you? Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrup.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.